While You Were Folding, Episode 56, A Mother's Rule of Life, Parent. Hi, I'm Catherine Boucher, and you're listening to While You Were Folding. This show is my weekly excuse to talk about my favorite things and my real imperfect life. I've been a wife for 11 years and a mother for 10. I won't pretend to be an expert. I will talk about the ups and downs, ask a whole bunch of questions, invite you into the conversation, and encourage you to share what you heard while you were folding. Let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Merciful Father, thank you so much for the gift of this Lenten season. Please give each of us the gift of encouragement and perseverance. Some of us might have really messed up with our Lenten sacrifices, things that we're wanting to take on or things that we're needing to let go of. And if we have stumbled, help us to have the graces and the perseverance to begin again and to remember that we can keep coming to you, our loving Father. And that the whole goal of Lent is for us to know that you are love itself and how, how much you just want us to know and feel your love in our lives. And we are so thankful for the gift of springtime arriving. It always coincides so perfectly with this time of the liturgical calendar with the gift of the hope that your coming resurrection brings. Help us to reflect on that and to just relish the gift of your creation. And we ask all these things through your name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, I'm gonna just jump in and just do a quick update here before I go into today's topic. So let's see. Um, I have some news on the house. We have our contract from our builder and things are looking great and the weather is cooperating. So depending on when the foundation guys can get out to our piece of property, it's looking like we are going to officially be able to break ground here within the next month or so. So we're super excited about that. So in the meantime, we're going to continue to make different selections Next week, we'll probably take a look at appliances. So that's kind of a big one. Um, and the as a homemaker, <laughs> anyone who does any sort of living in a home knows appliances are the workhorses of your house. So I would love your input on dishwashers, washers, dryers, refrigerators, anything in the world of appliances. Maybe you have one that did not work out great for your family, or you have one that you absolutely love. Please send me all of the information podcast at katherineboucher.com. Um, we have been loving our latest family read aloud, and I'm sure several of you have probably already read it, but I am late to the party and I am loving it. So I wanted to be sure and pass that along. A couple weeks ago, we started reading Trumpet of the Swan by E.B. White, and I'm going to highlight that right now so that I remember to link to it in the show notes. Trumpet of the Swan is 
a beautiful story. We're probably, oh, a quarter to 30% of the way in. And we've been doing read alouds as a family for several years now. This is probably the one that has most engaged all of our kids across the ages. So our oldest just turned 10 and our youngest is going to turn a year this week. Can you believe it? My baby is celebrating her first birthday on Thursday. Um, We're not going to dwell on that for too long, but Trumpet of the Swan, it's been fantastic. Everyone is really enjoying it. The language is so beautiful and the kids are absolutely transfixed by the tra- by the descriptions of nature by E.B. White. And you probably recognize the author's name. E.B. White also wrote Charlotte's Web. And the chapters are really short, so they keep our kids really engaged. And it has been so much fun to read this book now that winter is going away and spring is arriving because for the last couple of weeks, we have enjoyed going for walks around a nearby lake after mass and donuts. It's kind of become our new tradition. So the kids have just loved it because there are all kinds of waterfowl flying around the lake right now because they're all migrating. There are tons of ducks, tons of geese, and we haven't seen any swans. I don't think we're going to see them. I'll have to learn more about the migratory patterns of swans, but the book is set in northwestern Canada, and then the swans migrate to Montana. And it's a relationship between this swan that is not able to trumpet, to communicate, to speak, and the relationship he has with a young boy. And it's adorable. We're loving it. So I highly recommend Trumpet of the Swan by E.B. White. I had kind of a big deal announcement last week on episode 55. I called it, If I Ran the Zoo, Our Decision to Homeschool. So In case you missed it, we have made the decision as a family to start homeschooling in the fall, and I am so overwhelmed and so thankful for all of your great feedback and your support that you've shared with our family since we made our announcement to start homeschooling. And it's been so funny because since sharing our news officially last week, I've had three different friends separately tell me that they always thought that homeschooling would be a natural fit for our family because we've always done a lot of the homeschool-esque activities like read-alouds or kid-led book clubs and that kind of thing. So it's reassuring to hear that other people thought that that would be a natural fit for our family. And we're really excited about this new chapter. It's definitely going to be challenging, but I'm feeling total peace about it, like I said in the podcast. And that's how I know that it is of God, because that is not naturally my personality to be completely at peace about a big transition like that. And in a couple of weeks, Philip and I are going together to a homeschooling conference in Texas. So we're looking forward to learning more and meeting different families and people who also homeschool. And I am kind of, I'm definitely going to be a total fangirl getting to hopefully meet some of my favorite writers and podcasters, Sarah McKenzie from the Read Aloud Revival is going to be there. 
and Pam Barnhill, who has a couple of my favorite podcasts in the homeschooling world, and she has written some really great, helpful books um, for people who are getting started with homeschooling. So Sarah McKenzie, Pam Barnhill, I'm coming for you, <laughs> and I'm hopeful that I'll get to meet you. I'm really looking forward to it. But um, I really appreciate everyone's prayers and um, would really appreciate your prayers for wisdom as we move forward, as we figure out the different materials that we'll use for next year, but above all, just peace for the transition for everyone. So thank you again for your support and your kind words. Tonight, I'm continuing on with my series on Holly Pierlot's book, A Mother's Rule of Life. If you are just jumping into this series, it starts back on episode 50, and that episode was called Organizing My Attitude Before My Closets. And that was all about the importance of having the right mindset before we read a prescriptive book of any kind. And I would say that A Mother's Rule of Life is pretty darn prescriptive. And it is so important that we remember to use the book as a tool instead of letting it become our master. Because the farther you get into this book, by the point where we are now, looking at the fourth P in a mother's rule of life parent, things are starting to get down to the nitty gritty. Um, So that was episode 50. 51, we looked at the first P, which was prayer. Episode 52, we looked at person, taking care of ourselves. Uh, episode 54 talked about par- uh, partner, which was marriage, and I recorded that with Philip. And today we're resuming the series with episode 55 with the fourth P, parent. So today is all about focusing on the essentials of my role as a mother and how I can keep my children healthy in every possible way, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Next week, we're going to take a look at the last of the five P's, and that is provider. Provider is all about the physical home, chores, and the actual things that are inside your home. This week is making sure we're taking care of our children's essential needs. So things like chores and the physical home, that's going to be next week, and that's a huge topic. Today, we're focusing on the essentials for keeping our kids healthy. Um, but before we get to all of that, like I've said all along, first things first, I have to organize my attitude as a parent before I focus on organizing the physical home, the closets. So when it comes to this P, parent, I think it's so important to think about, do I respect my mothering vocation? And in the book, uh, Holly talks a lot about the culture shock of starting to be a stay-at-home mom, and I definitely experienced that as well. And it forced me to realize that as much as I thought I respected my mothering vocation, I definitely did not appreciate all of the ins and outs, just like no one appreciates what any job entails until you're actually doing it. And regardless of whether you're at home full-time or you're called to do something else beautiful outside the home, it is so important that each of us discovers the quote-unquote mission of motherhood. Because we 
are given our children as gifts from God that are unique, they are irrepeatable, and they've been entrusted to us because God believed that we are uniquely equipped to take care of them and love them and to bring them back to him in heaven. But unfortunately, a lot of us either didn't have mothering modeled for us in a healthy way, or we did not have adequate training because, like I said, it either was not modeled for us or certain things were just never taught to us along the way. And it's really different. It's really difficult (laughs) to just jump right in. And sometimes a lot of us don't have other young moms around us or older moms that are able to mentor us in this way. And it's so easy to buy into the lie, especially in those early days when it's you and your first baby and you're by yourself if you don't have a lot of support around just thinking the lie of what can I really do that's going to make a difference in society if it's me at home with this baby. And that is such a destructive lie from the pits of hell. It truly is. Because if we are able to raise our children with a Christian worldview, that's going to be the core of all of societal change. If we really believe that God is love and we're able to infuse our children's lives with that love, it's going to change everything. And that's not a Pollyanna belief. It's truth with a capital T. And if we really believe in the beauty and dignity of parenthood, we're going to change the world. And some days it feels like a really overwhelming task, but all we have to focus on is what's right in front of us and being obedient to that. And the great news is God generally sends us one kid at a time and not multiples, (laughs) generally. And they start out really small and then we grow as they grow. Hopefully we're growing in virtue as they are physically growing. And there is a really beautiful passage in the book, A Mother's Rule of Life, from this section where she talks about how parents image the work of God at creation. That the home is supposed to be like a mini paradise, like another Eden. We actually heard the story of creation today in the Sunday gospel, that Eden is supposed to be a place of beauty, peace, and harmony. And that's exactly what it was before the fall. And as husbands and wives, we are supposed to recreate paradise in our homes, that our home is a place of restoration, where people can come together and be themselves, be who God is asking them to be. And they are able to be in loving relationship and in close communication. And that's exactly what Eden was. In the home, um, we are also the primary educators. And this is true regardless of how our children are being educated, whether they go to Catholic school, a Christian school, a public school, or they're being homeschooled. That we are given the gift of faith, and as parents, God asks us to teach our kids the skills they need to live in society and then make it a better place. Part of parenting, like we've been talking about throughout this whole series, is tending the garden. That the work that is given to us by God as parents is not a result of the fall. Adam and Eve 
we're tilling the garden before the fall, that work is something that is awesome. It's a gift. It's beautiful. And our job as parents is to train our children to work and to delegate responsibility to them because that work will build their character and it's going to give them a role in the care of the home. That taking care of the home is not just something that mom does. It's not something that just mom or and dad do. It's something that we do together. And as they get older, they're going to take on more and more of that responsibility because it's something that we all do to show God that we are going to be good stewards of the gifts that he's given us. And when we are taking that seriously, we're also going to take governing our children seriously as well. So under the big umbrella of governing our children, we're talking about leading them in their character formation, disciplining them, forgiving them, covering their sins with love, but also not unnecessarily shielding them from the just consequences of their actions. So when, because of our brokenness as human beings, when our kids screw up, and they will, that we're not going to protect them from the consequences of those mistakes, that we're going to allow those consequences to happen so that they can hopefully learn from them. Um, We talked a little bit already about providing a Catholic education Bottom line, we have to be active participants no matter how or where our kids are going to school. That parenting is about calling, it's a call to form persons. There's a great quote on page 109 of the book, and I want to share it here. Holly says, we're called to bring God to our children's spirits, truth to their minds, health to their bodies, skill to their hands, beauty and creativity to their hearts. And in all this, virtue to their wills and sanctity to their souls. The education we are to provide has to go beyond the three R's and beyond professional or vocational training. So (laughs) that's a lot. That is a lot that we are asked of as parents. And again, it can feel really daunting, but it's only daunting if we think it's all on us if we think that we are responsible for the results. All that we are responsible is being faithful to what God's asking of us. And he is going to be in charge of the results. That's that's his business. We are just doing day to day what's in front of us. So keeping that in mind, that's really liberating. And it brings me a lot of peace as a mom. Um. But at the same time, there are things that we can do that allow us to be channels of grace for our kids and vice versa. There are things that we can do that allow our children to be better channels of grace for us as well. So a couple things that Holly Pierlo lists um, underneath being channels of grace include regular mass and confession, individual and family prayer prayer aids for our kids. So things like giving them a prayer journal or setting up a specific area in their bedrooms or in the home where they can pray, praying for our children, teaching them the faith, answering questions, introducing them to the lives of the saints, establishing a harmonious home, and creating meaningful Catholic family traditions. 
as Catholics, we have such a treasure trove of opportunities to celebrate. There is something to celebrate every single day because we have different saints that we're celebrating as well as different liturgical feasts. And if we're not feasting, then we are fasting. We are taking breaks from the celebrations to dwell on different aspects of our faith. So in the Lenten season, there are all kinds of opportunities here. The next part, she talks about being an example or a living witness. Holy cow. (laughs) This is a daily struggle for all of us. This is where we work on tilling the garden of our souls. We have to have a constant recommitment to our own ongoing conversion. So we're talking about self-control and developing our reliance on God instead of ourselves. And in order to make sure that we are being a channel of God's love, there are four different things that Holly suggests, and that is being available, be more accepting of our children, do what is best for them, regardless of how we feel, regardless of how tired we are, we're going to do what's best for our kids. So that includes disciplining them consistently. And then four, show my love and mirror God's love for them by how I treat them. Yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. It's a big order. It's a big ask, but we can do it with him. It's not, I've got this. It's, he's got this. And I think it's really important to remember, Holly talks about how God has given us the authority to discipline our children. And it's important to remember that because he's given us that authority, he expects us to believe in that authority and then to do something about it. This is probably the part of this chapter that I disliked the most. Um, I agree with Holly saying that it's our duty to make sure that we are obeyed and that it's so important for our kids to know why we ask them to do something. But the part where I disagree is where she gets into more about um, aspects of discipline and things that she recommends. So there are a couple of different parenting experts that I'd like to point you to, and I'm going to link to all of these in the show notes, so you don't need to write them down. So I'm just going to say their names. Um, These are different authors, podcasters that I would point you to instead of the philosophy of how Holly recommends that you discipline your kids. So the first one that I recommend is Janet Lansbury. I've mentioned her before on the podcast. She has her own podcast called Unruffled. She's also written a book called No Bad Kids, and both of those are great resources. I also really like some books written by Dr. Daniel Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson. They are the co-authors of The Whole Brain Child and The Power of Showing Up. Dr. Daniel Siegel also wrote No Drama Discipline. A third person I'd like to point you toward is Dr. Meg Meeker. She's a Catholic pediatrician. She has tons of great books that she's written, and she also has her own podcast called Parenting Great Kids. The last person I would point you toward, and I have a ton of others, but I wanted to leave it at four. (laughs) Um, The last one I'll mention today is Dr. Laura Markham. She is the creator of AhaParenting.com. And she 
has written a couple of different books, such as Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids, How to Stop Yelling and Start Connecting. So hopefully those are some really helpful resources. I would point you toward those before I would subscribe to the things that Holly recommends in terms of discipline. So I just wanted to be sure and point that out. And lastly, she talks about the importance of consistency. So trying to remove our own personal emotions from discipline. And while we're saying that, we should remove emotion from discipline, period. Because if it's about emotion, then it's not about what's most important. And that is what's going on at the core. So keeping things consistent and removing emotion. Um, The last two things in terms of parenting that were important, and this is before we get to working it all out. It's so important to get to the root cause of whatever the negative external behavior is. Because more often than not, there's something else going on, especially with our young kids, that is causing the negative external behavior. So I have heard this advice from several different sources. And until I became a mom of a toddler, I didn't really understand it. But it is such good general life advice to treat everyone, including yourself, like a toddler, to make sure everyone's essential needs are being met. There's a really great acronym, HALT, which stands for if someone is hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, chances are there's going to be a really negative external behavior happening as a result. And again, that's HALT. Hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. There are, there's a short list that Holly included in this section of the book where she rattled off sleep, nutrition, ample recreation, satisfying work routine, good conversations, encouraging and loving relationships. If all of those things are accounted for, then our kids, their core needs are being met and we don't need to make sure that that's the root cause of what's happening. If everything is being met there, then we should be able to move on and figure out what else could be happening here. Also, super important to talk about freedom within limits, that our kids are given the gift of free will from God. And it's so important whenever we can to let them exercise that free will and to give them choices. And that will empower them and make them more likely to be at peace in our homes. And the last thing with which I give a million gold stars to is the gift that we can give our children in a routine. Routine is huge in terms of preventative discipline. It gives our children something that they can rely on that brings them assurance and peace throughout their days. So that's kind of the overview of the whole chapter. She gets to the end and talks about your essentials, how to work them out. And I am going to include this as a list in the show notes. There are, I'd have to go through and count, probably 10 things here that Holly wants us to sit down and write down and think about where all of these things are happening in our days and what times of day they're going to happen so that we can put them into our schedule and account for them. So 
the things that she wants us to account for are hygiene, things like when we are going to brush teeth, take showers, make sure older kids are learning about their bodies, making sure they have deodorant, face wash, all of the different things they need. After hygiene, clothing, accounting for everyone's clothing, make sure they have everything they need for all different kinds of weather, make sure everyone has the right size shoes. Um, And then the next thing, personal prayer, giving our kids time during the day to develop their own prayer relationship with God and to equip them with the things that they need. Sports, finding out where the practices are, when they're going to take place, what kinds of carpools we got to put in place. And this goes along with hobbies as well, making sure we have all of the different equipment and tools for the different hobbies that we're going to have and when they're going to happen. Time for friends, making sure those regular connections are being met. Catechism, and that's a huge umbrella for religious education, making sure that we are taking seriously our role as the primary educators of our children in terms of faith. And then sacraments, making sure kids are regularly attending mass and receiving the sacrament of confession. And then school and homework, making sure everyone is attending school and that their education needs are met. This is going to look different, obviously, depending on how you are educating your children and homework as well. And then the last thing is rest that everyone's getting adequate sleep at night and taking naps when necessary. So for all of those, I think it was 10 different things. You take a look at that item and make sure you have the right supplies or materials needed. Figure out where the belongings go and then put it into a schedule. For your younger kids, you're just going to plug it into the schedule. For older kids, you will decide alongside with them when those things are going to happen. And then Holly recommends making charts and posting them. And then ask yourself, when can I help the kids with these different things? If I have younger kids that need help with personal hygiene or they need help with their homework or needing to get them to transition to nap time, figuring out all of those parts of the day where I am necessary to help out with these different things. So account for the 10 items, find your supplies, materials, where the belongings go, put it into a schedule, make the chart and find out how you need to help. So those are the essentials with parenting. Going back to tending the garden, I think this is pivotal when we're talking about getting our attitude right with parenting. In the early years for me with parenting, I would get so frustrated because I had, I would call it a really deist look on parenting. I thought I could just create the perfect plan put it in action, and let it run. I did not realize that tilling, tending the garden was like the never-ending thing with parenting and housework and just about everything that I was taking on when I decided to become a full-time stay-at-home mom. And it was such a twisted, distorted way of going about my days. And 
I finally have figured out now that I've been doing this for 10 years of parenting, that if I am determined to tend the garden out of love of God instead of my own pride of having this perfect home, that things are going to go so much better. And if I'm willing to take the time each day to pull out the weeds when they inevitably show up, and that looks like reteaching different skills, rooting out laziness, both within myself and in the kids, lovingly showing up when there's a zillionth temper tantrum of the day instead of giving an exasperated sigh. That's tending the garden. And when I do that and I show up and I'm obedient to whatever that thing is that's happening in the moment, instead of thinking I can just have the perfect framework and then when life inevitably happens that something's wrong with the system. No, it's just that's tending the garden. That's life. That's a domestic church. And that's exactly where we're supposed to be. And we're in it together. And we're obedient to whatever is happening in the moment. And we ask for God's graces. And we move through it together with him. It's not all on me. Praise you, Jesus. And oh, there's so much freedom in that. But some things that I've learned along the way, and Holly Pirlo talks on about this toward the end of this section. When you do hit speed bumps in parenting, it's so important to think about the why. What's possibly happening? If our kids' core needs are being met, go back to that acronym, HALT, H-A-L-T, if they're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, something needs to be met there. But if everyone's core needs are being met, maybe there's something else going on. And more often than not, it's because of me. So the first possibility is confusion. If I have a kid who's confused when I've asked them to do something, I need to do more teaching and model the thing more. If I'm asking them to take on a new responsibility at home and I haven't explained things clearly enough, I need to be a better teacher and I need to model it better. Next, if they're complaining, this goes back to learning some sort of a new responsibility. If they're complaining, maybe I need to revise my expectations. Maybe the three-year-old is not ready to take on sweeping the kitchen. Sweeping takes such really refined motor skills that a three-year-old is not going to be capable of. Time to revise my expectations if my child is complaining too much, possibly. Or possibly they're just complaining and we need to do some work on character formation. (laughs) If my child is lacking motivation, maybe I've had such high standards that I need to maybe give them something to look forward to because life is starting to feel like drudgery instead of being full of joy. If my kid is doing something grudgingly, I need to really make sure that I'm telling them and letting them know about the importance of what they're doing and thanking them for their efforts and letting them know that they're valued and it's so important, but also to teach them the value of offering things up that sometimes there, there are going to be things that we don't want to do and that's okay if we don't want to do it, but that's where we get to have love become an act of the will that our emotions aren't always going to be the determiner of how much we love. 
that even if I don't want to do the thing right now, I'm going to offer it up out of love of Jesus and love of the person that I'm serving. Um, If my kids are sneaking away, give them a freedom within limits choice. So if my kid is sneaking off and not doing the thing I've asked them to do, I can give them a choice of, would you like to do this? Let's say it's, would you like to empty the dishwasher now? Or would you like to empty the dishwasher after dinner? If my kid's doing sloppy work, here's another time where you can bring in the stories of the saints that give us the heroic stories of their awesome virtues. Um, Talking about logical consequences of if I don't do this thing, this is what's going to happen. Um, I think it was in a Scott Hahn book, a Kimberly Hahn book, where she talked about a child had left out some roller skates and then they got rusted. This is where we have to decide what we are and are not cool with happening because I probably would be really ticked off if something (laughs) nice got destroyed. Um, Or suspension of privileges if a kid is going to do really sloppy work. So those are some different things to think about with how we can help with those speed bumps, with confusion or complaining or those kinds of things. But also to keep an eye on myself. How am I behaving while my kids are taking on different responsibilities? Am I involved enough in helping with the modeling and the teaching? Or am I helping too much? Am I hovering over them? Am I becoming a really demanding taskmaster who has such unrealistic expectations that it is just a horrible experience for my child to do this thing? Am I being loving and patient? Am I encouraging and building up my child and being realistic about what they can handle and being patient with their efforts as they try to learn the skill. And if I'm not, then I need to really do a gut check there. Next, consistency. This is huge. Am I being consistent? Am I letting them only do the job sometimes or do it lazily? And am I supervising? Am I actually going and making sure the job's getting done? And then am I finding out the next day that the job didn't get done, get ticked off about it, but then not bring it up? If I'm not supervising, if I'm not being consistent in my follow through, then they're not going to think that it's a priority. It's so much easier said than done (laughs) to do all these things. I know, I understand, but it's huge. We have to do it. Um, And then the last thing is teaching and modeling skills and virtues. My kids are not going to become virtuous in all these different ways if they see me not doing my jobs consistently or if I'm doing them lazily or if I am not offering things up, if I'm complaining or doing it grudgingly. So check yourself in all of those different ways. Maybe spend some time in prayer thinking about all of those things for yourself and for the kids. See where they are as they're taking on different responsibilities and if you need to make some changes along the way. That's it for parent. I hope that this has given you some good food for thought, some encouragement. And again, this is just the essentials of how we can take care of our kids in terms of their their, uh, physical bodies, their souls, and their emotions. I hope that those other parenting experts that I pointed you to are helpful. 
Um, and I'd love to hear your feedback on this. Next time, we are going to wrap up this uh, series on a mother's rule of life with the fifth P provider. Now, I have to warn you, this is the big one. Provider is where you go through your home room by room, you account for the what and the why and the where. So this is where all the chores, all of the charts are happening. And this is where most of us probably wanted to start when we talked about a mother's rule of life, the the charts, the organization, and all of those things. But I'm glad we went about it in this way because this is exactly where I think God wants us to be with getting our mindsets right, getting our relationships in right order so that now, hopefully, we are ready to take on our physical homes and account for everything that has been entrusted to us. So I have some questions for you and I'd love for you to get in touch and send me your feedback and your answers. Um, First of all, did you have the appropriate respect for parenting when you became a parent? What part of parenting is proving to be the most difficult for you? And have you brought those challenges before God and asked him for wisdom and help? And a challenge that I'd like to ask you to consider is ask yourself, is there a mom a step or two ahead of you that you could meet with on a regular basis for some mentoring? I bet there is. And if there's not someone you can think of, start to pray about it and ask God to put that person in your life and pray for the courage to ask them to consider being a mentor to you. And it doesn't have to be anything really formal. It can be as simple as inviting her over for a cup of coffee or meeting up at a coffee shop or or dinner or whatever, and just talking through what's going on in life. So think about getting a mom mentor, or maybe you are the mentor. Maybe you are far enough along in your parenting journey that you could be a mentor to someone who's a step or two behind where you are. Uh, think about that. Pray about it. What about are your kids' essential needs being met? Does your family need to think about making some changes in your schedule to meet everyone's needs? And really importantly, is your day-to-day schedule reflecting your family's values? That's a big one. Is your day-to-day schedule reflecting your family's values? Last question. Are you guilty of unrealistic parenting expectations? Do you resent tending the garden when it comes to parenting matters like discipline or teaching skills like housework? That's something that I have to routinely bring to God. I definitely have unrealistic parenting expectations, but I'm wondering if you are struggling with those things. If you're looking for a mom mentor or if your kids' essential needs are being met, maybe you need to rework your schedule. I want to hear your answers to all those questions and just your general thoughts on this episode. You can email me at podcast at katherineboucher.com or as always, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram or my favorite, send me a voicemail on Voxer, that free walkie-talkie app. Keep sharing the show with your friends. The community keeps growing here at While You Were Folding and I am having so much fun And I'm so grateful for all of you for listening. If you like the show, please leave a rating and a review in iTunes. I'll leave a link to show you how to do that in the show notes. And until next time, don't be afraid to begin again and share what you heard 
while you are folding. <laughs>